Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Larry Hughes. Larry, how's your week going? Oh, man, it's, it's going. It's going. We're maintaining, and the, the weather is uh, it's, it's getting nice here in St. Louis, man, so it's, uh, it's going good. It's a pretty nice one here in D.C., too. Uh, typically, I kind of do the, the basketball intro for us and go through the resumes here, but do you, uh, you want to tell folks who we have on as a guest this week? Oh, man, this, this is my man, you know, this week. I'm asked all the time about, you know, my, my favorite teammates or my friends in the NBA, and it's, it's, it's always GA. You know, all the basketball accolades and all that stuff, I mean, you can Google that. It speaks for itself. But it's a genuine good dude right here. We've been friends a long time. We were teammates yeah. for a few years. We've been <laughs> friends a long time, man. And uh, anytime I reach out for him to do anything for me, he's right there and vice versa. So, I'm saying just appreciate you coming on. Uh, talk a little bit of basketball, talk a little bit of shit with us, and uh, just have some fun. Oh, man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, everybody, that voice you hear is three-time NBA All-Star, uh, second-team All-NBA, two-time third-team All-NBA, uh, former Wizards star guard Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert, thanks for coming in. Um, no, no problem, anytime. Like Larry said, we figured we'd kick it off with something a little light here. Uh, the uh, the Reddit AMA you did a couple weeks ago got got some uh, traction in the D.C. area. One comment in particular uh, got brought up on this particular show. I think you made re- uh, mention of busting Larry's ass at some point. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Uh, now that you're both on one call here, we figured <laughs> we, we'd get it on the record here and, and I'll let you guys hash that one out. <laughs> okay, so look, you got to remember, Larry was – you know, top five defense in the NBA, you know? So, you know, if I'm, if I'm an offensive player, how can I learn how to score against the best when I have the best? So if we're on the same team, I'm not learning from them. You know what I mean? You know, so I had to go against it. So I just used to talk shit all day to force him to play D on me and just learn the tricks and the trades against the best defensive player. You know, so I think going against him every day taught me how to score. You know, so what ended up happening is once he went to Cleveland, you know, I done learned some new tricks, you know, took what he was doing watching his game. So once I got my skill level up and we had to fight, he didn't know what I was anymore. You know, so I because, you know, once Larry got hurt, I had to take on that role of scoring more. You know, so I had to do a lot more studying, studying defensive players. So... You know, with him being 6'6 six, six long, a lot of defensive players didn't have his attributes. You know, so when I got to the 6'5", snubby hands, it's like, oh, no, you're, 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 you're pretty easy. You know what I mean? You know, you know, I'm going against a guy every day in practice, you know, who, who, who thrived on defense. You know, so, you know, it kind of made scoring pretty easy. And, and, and that's the trick is that, Better offense is going to be great defense mm-hmm. any day, any time of the week, right? But my challenge is, and I'm teaching this to the young people, is to make that person take a tough shot, mm-hmm. right? Make that, t- make that person take a tough shot, and you've done your job. But then when you get into a, a you know, get up against a player like GA, 
where he's accustomed to making tough shots and he begins to make those things look easy, then I think that's where, you know, that's where the challenge comes in as you, you no longer can just make him take a tough shot. Like you got to figure out different ways, you know what I'm saying, to, to stop him. And that's, that goes across the board is that my thing is to make sure that anytime you're guarding a great offensive player, don't be discouraged if they make shots. Don't be discouraged mm-hmm. if they get 30 because it, it is bound, you know, it is bound to happen. And G.A. was, you know, obviously a, a, a walking bucket, you know, with that kind of speed and, and the ability to shoot the basketball. He was, he was before his time. Um, but at the end of the day, we take that battle all the time. And we have fun with that battle all the time because we know that it's going to make him better and it was making me better as well. Then mm-hmm. talk about the Cleveland series. Put up a lot of points. All my job was 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 just make it tough. Make it tough mm-hmm. for GA, and then we kind of live with those results. It's hard to be a great defensive player when you don't have a a great staff of defensive players behind you, people who don't know their roles. What's so funny is our was it our the year we we went uh, was it oh four oh five. I wasn't necessarily a great defensive player, but I know if I messed up, he had my back. So it actually made me better. And I remember, I think you led, it was you or Iverson that was one and two in steals, and I was third. And I'm third because of him. <laughs> you know, you know. so, you know, then we had Brendan back there. Then we had Jared Jeffries back there. So I necessarily didn't look that bad on defense, even though I was the weakest point, because I knew I had great defensive players around me. You know, sometimes, you know, you have these great defensive players and they don't have people who actually know what they're doing behind them. And it's hard for them to actually thrive because they're basically on the island the whole time. When I attacked Larry, I always attacked him when Vrajia was out of the game. You know, him having Vrajia back there kind of hurt my driving because I knew Vrajia was going to try to take a charge. You know, and if you're going to take a charge, it's... It, takes away half of my thought process. So now it's like, ah, okay, now I can't just go out of there wild throwing my body into players because he's going to be there. Versus when, you know, Z was there, he's trying to block my shot. So with my speed, I'm, you know, shooting like a rocket at him, you know, and that's what, you know, the decisions I have to make and the, the, the thinking I had to do in that series. Not to take anything away from Deshaun, who was a great defender in, in his own right, but it always seemed like when you and Larry played together, you guys had like kind of an innate sense for where the other person was going to be. And and you got more steals because one of you would force a guy a certain way and the other one could jump the passing lane. It, it just seemed like you guys had like this, this feel or connection or understanding where guys are going to go. Is there something to that? Yeah. You know, it, it started, you know, in, in, in golden state, you know, um, I wasn't, I wasn't gifted to play early. So that means I have to watch, you know, I had to watch everything. I had to, you know, watch Larry, have to watch Mookie Baylock, you know, his little time he was there and, and try to figure out what makes everyone great, what makes them, you know, get on that floor. So you can start seeing their techniques, you know, with, you know, someone's getting past Larry and they didn't get enough space away from him and he pokes it. You, you know, I can see it coming. Like, oh, you didn't get enough space. That ball is going, you know, that ball is going to get poked, you know. So, you know, watching him against Kobe, watching, you know, like, yo, he's, Yo, he's he Kobe can't get past him like that. You know, and you're just watching these tricks. So now I get to, you know, 
when I'm on defense, I know where he's at. I know his 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 skill level. I know what his um uh, his his antics are. His um the, the the way he thinks because I had to watch it, you know, so much. So when I got back to Washington, because we didn't really play that much in Washington. I mean, in uh, Golden State together. So when I got to Washington, it was just you know it was just quick learning. It was it was easy because. You know, from from that point, it's just him learning, you know, my bad habits. You know, like, okay, G.A.'s on the weak side. He's going for the ball, you know. So let me go ahead and try to, you know, catch that net, you know, if the, the guy goes past him and he doesn't get that steal. And, and, and that's why things work so well. I mean, that, that's why things work so well because it was it was not only learning and watching, but it was communicating. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about it, you know, a thing on defense, you know, you know, majority of the guys are right-handed players. So that means that they're going to go, uh, you know, to the right side, right side of the court the majority of the time. But mm-hmm. there's always a pass to the top of the key, or there's always a skip pass that happens when that player is driving, you know, hard right. So me and Jim, we would watch the guy, and as soon as his shoulders turned to throw the ball, they either skip pass or, or reverse that ball back to the top. We just ran through the middle. <laughs> I knew when he ran through the middle, I knew that I was going to follow, you know, the backside just in case – it was a skip or vice versa. If I ran through the middle, he knew that he had to hold the backside up. So it was really about like those, those little things, you know, and I call them the mad scientists because if there's, you know, if there's a formula, he's going to figure it out, you know, he's going to put that puzzle together and it's all going to make sense. So that's really what defense was about, was about communication. When you go, I'll stay. When I go, Mm -hmm. you got to stay sort of conversations. Mm -hmm. And that's how we made it work. Gil, you said on the Steve Buckhans Phil Chenier podcast the other week that you thought that one of the, the few big mistakes that, that Ernie Grunfeld made was not getting a deal done with Larry. And then, you know, you mentioned just sort of the, the inner workings of that or how that was communicated to you after the fact. Um, but what would the ceiling of that team been if you guys got a chance to run it back, you know, the next year or next couple of years? I mean, you, you know, that's when we were on, you know, we were just finding ourselves as, you know, with Eddie's offense, you know, that first year together, you know, our downfall that first year was just we didn't – we were trying to understand the offense. So we couldn't drive the way we wanted to because we're trying to figure out, you know, you know, can I drive here? So, you know, instead of just playing free will, we had to do a lot more thinking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then that, the, the, the following year we make the playoffs and then, you know, Larry becomes a free agent. Well, you know, you got to remember, he's technically, he was the all-star that year. Him and Antoine was the all-star. The only reason I made it is because Larry broke his stuff. That was the only reason I made the all-star. You know, so you have your all-star shooting guard as a free agent. So the plan was sign Larry, then we figure out what we're going to, you know, get to complete the rest of the roster because we have our bigs, you know, Antoine, we have Antoine, so we have our one, two, you know, we're a solid, solid unit, a big unit, too, because, you know, at that point, you know, we have me, Larry, Antoine at the three, Jared Jeffries at the four, and he's going to guard whoever, you know, Twan didn't have to guard that game. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the summer plan. And then I, I remember, uh, you know, A. Poland, you know, his last his last request before he went under in surgery is make sure we sign Larry back. Make sure we sign Larry back. You know, so when he woke up and found out he didn't, he cried. He actually cried. Now, the first question he asked when he woke up was, did we sign Larry back? 
And it, his wife had to tell him no. You know, so you can tell, like, he's seen the vision. You know, um, I, I, I just think it was one of those with, with Ernie, he thought he had room to negotiate when he didn't know the backstory. And this is what I, I, I tried to tell him is you have to understand the backstory on everyone. You know, if, if he got screwed in Golden State, you know, right. on money, you don't have no room to negotiate, you know, because the, the, if someone's throwing money at him right now, that window, you don't know how long that window is going to be open. So, you know, if he doesn't take it or if you don't give him his money so he can, you know, secure his family, he's going to leave. This is with anybody, you know, you, you know, everyone, you know, when, when they're making decisions, they don't understand that that, that window is that window closed. We've we've heard horror stories of someone waiting a day and ninety million gone. dollars. Yeah, nine, 90 million went off the table, and now he got to sign a one year, three million dollar deal. No, that no nobody wants to. That is hard. Like, look at it. You know Isaiah Thomas. You know he's he's playing like a max player, and from there, you know, you you look at his role now. You know, all he can think about is his Boston years. He can't even. He can't even fathom what's going on now because he's still trying to figure out what happened. You know, and, and, and that's what I was turning early. Like, you didn't have room to negotiate. You, you thinking that, oh, he's asking for this money is going to piss me off? Well, when I signed that, that deal, this is how I was playing. Has nothing to do with Larry's money. You know, so you can't even, you can't even compare the two. Yeah, I, I think that that was, that was even one of the comments that was made is like, okay, when GA's coming up, what is that, you know, what, what is he going to think? And I'm thinking to myself, like, if I call GA right now, he's going to tell y'all to go ahead and do what y'all <laughs> need to do. Like, so, so there's a miscommunication. But we had, we had the ingredients to be something special mm-hmm. because of, of the, the personalities uh, on that team. We liked each other. We were cool with each other. And it was just one of those things. It doesn't happen too often when you get a, a group of professional guys that actually like each other can, can mm-hmm. you know, enjoy being around each other, not just coming to the gym to, to work. So I think we was, you know, we were set up, and that the world knows we were set up for, um, for some good things. But you know, things things happen, uh, and you know, you have to you have to move on. And, and there's no ill will because I knew that they were. It's part of the process. Like negotiation is part of the process, right? If you don't want to negotiate, then you don't negotiate. You know, that's that's your prerogative. But negotiating is part of that process. Mm-hmm. And if I come to you and I say I'm not going to negotiate, then you should take my word. And if you don't <laughs> take my word, then you don't know me because everyone that knows me know if I say something, that's that's really what it is. So we got caught in that little battle of, I guess maybe a little bit of game of chicken during that free agency time. Yeah, it was it was so funny as I never told this story. The same chicken, it, it, it happened with me too. June first came, you know, I go to the office, but you know, I I it, it, I giggled because just like anybody, they don't think you have Plan A's and B's, mm-hmm. so. I get the word that um, I get the word that Baron Davis just opted out of his deal. So Baron opted out of his deal and is going to the Clippers. So Golden State hits me and says, "We're giving you the max." 
101 for five years. Like, we got a new house for you. Whatever you want, you don't have to. We got it. Like, oh, sh- oh okay. Uh, all right. I wasn't even, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it didn't even cross my mind for any other team. You know, so I'm walking into negotiation with that. So as soon as Ernie starts talking, you know, you know, you did great, you know, uh, three-time all-star, blah, 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 you know, and then he slides and he said, this is what I think, you, you know, you're worth and slides the paper. It was six years, 86 million. So my max is 127. He offered me six years, 86 million. So I'm giggling and I said, uh, I mean, this is a nice number. But uh, Golden State uh, already offered me the max. Uh, Baron Davis just opted out 101 for five. So they went check. Baron Davis opted out. And I said, you know what? Before we even finish this little conversation, I need to get some sleep. Well, this is midnight. So I need to get some sleep because I have a big China trip that I'm going to. And, and I, I designed my China trip just for some bullshit like this. And I said, just, just I, you know, I just, because I was injured. So I knew there was going to be some, some fight back. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to be gone for 10 days. I get back on the 11th. So I'm not signing no deals until I get back on the 11th. So you got 10 days to figure your shit out after this. So I leave. I get to the airport. I get a call from Abe Poland. And said, he said, hey, listen, I don't know what they're doing down there. The max is yours. You lived up to your promise. I'm living up to my promise. The max is yours. So you don't even have to. Don't even worry about whatever numbers they're talking about. So, so I don't care what numbers they're talking about. The max is yours. 127, whatever you want is yours. It's going to happen. Enjoy your trip. But, oh, all right. Cool. But I am also a free agent with Antoine. So I just spent the, the, the whole time trying to figure out how much Twan needed and what I was going to, you know, I'm taking a pay cut for him. So I was just trying to figure out what number, you know, how much did he need to make it make sense? Because I heard that uh, Philly was offering him big money because they, they had him, Elton Brand. I think it was him, Elton Brand, Josh Smith up. And they were throwing big money. So... You know, I'm, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, doing the calculations and I just thought, you know, since I like the number one, 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 one sounded great. You know, just one, 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 you know, so I turned down 17 million. So Antoine can get it and shit, they signed him before they signed me. So he didn't even get the money. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, you know, Ernie, you know, Ernie did what he did, but you know, at the end of the day, a Poland, you know, like when people say uh, Ernie gave you that bad deal. No, that wasn't Ernie's deal. Ernie deal was six year eighty six. A Poland stepped in and said, "No, nah, th- this is what he's getting." You know, he has the max. Abe was, was the one with the bag, so it should have, you know, that's that's all good because he was the one with the bag. So Ernie was just kind of picking out of his bag, and once yeah, yeah, Abe yeah. said it was okay, then it was it was able to roll. But I actually heard it. The story that I heard, um, and I just heard this last summer at a junior NBA event where uh, Eddie Jordan ran into Eddie Jordan at this event. Um, 
and he was just talking about, you know, just the times and mm-hmm. he brought up the A. Poland story, which was mm-hmm. the first time I heard about the A. Poland story. This was the first time I heard, yeah. you know, A. wanted to make sure that, that the deal was done because me and A. Poland, we were good. We, uh-huh. had we were good. But that was the very first time that I heard that story. Also, you, oh, you didn't hear? Ooh. No. That, I mean, this just last summer was the first time I heard was the first time I heard about that. Oh, yeah, man. That man came out of surgery boo-hooing. Because you got to, like, people didn't, you know, I got to know Abe a lot. And, you know, Abe is the one who who changed the rule to have everyone have their own rooms. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so back then he had Sorry. Wes Unseld. He had Wes Unseld. And back then he had roommates. So his roommate was a veteran. So he had to sleep in the hallways, you know? So you got, you got Wes Unseld, <laughs> who ended up that rookie, being the rookie of the year and the MVP. Franchise sleeping player. In, yeah. Sleeping in the hallway. And Abe said, this will fucking never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> this will never happen again. And then that's when he did the, the, everyone gets their own room, and then the rest of the NBA followed. You know, he loved his basketball players. He was, he was a basketball nut job. You know, so he wanted, you know, so he cared about his team. You know, so when, you know, when he's saying, hey, you make sure you sign Larry and it don't happen, you know, he, he, he wasn't happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think as a fan, I had never heard that story about, about Abe and the surgery either. Like, normally those things seem to get, like, leaked out pretty easily, but uh, that, that's one that sort of never made the rounds, at least to my knowledge. But you hear a lot of those kinds of things about Ernie where maybe, you know, didn't know this guy well enough to know that, you know, Larry wasn't going to negotiate or, or you were willing to kind of, you know, compromise, you know, your, your amount to help another guy out or to make sure the team was good. So if Abe had to step in so many times, that's where I, I think it's hard as a fan to reconcile just how long Ernie stuck around when, when you hear those kinds of things. You know what? what I, I broke down. I remember I had, I did an article about Ernie. Um, someone interviewed me. I get, I, I don't know if they were thinking I was going to bash him, but you know, if I had to take my, put myself back in his plays, the only, the only play he didn't do right was, you know, Larry's. I think, you know, as you know, in human nature, you think sometimes that, Hey, I have time because these guys are all friends. So let me see what I can, you know, do here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let me see, like, you know, how much wiggle room do I have? Maybe I can get them down to this number. And, you know, they're, they're, they're number crunching. And I think that's a, their number crunching versus just, okay, we need him. This is a great asset. Right. We, 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 we don't have any time. You know, they're just looking at pieces of papers and trying to make numbers work. Sure. Like, that's, that's not how you do every deal. Every deal is not a number crunch deal. Let's be honest. Let's let's really be honest. How many people are really qualified for for those jobs anyway? You know what background did they go through? You know to make these type of you know deals and you know pick these type of people. Like you know, I see some I, I, I see some kids getting drafted, and I'm like, what what were you actually looking looking at here? Like you thought you because I asked this question. I said, if you have Tracy McGrady. And you have Yao Ming and Kobe coming in the draft. Who do you pick? And they said, Yao Ming. I said, why? And they said, because we already have T-Mac. And I said, so you will let the best player go for something you think you need. 
And just the thought process, like, so you said, this is the best player, and you're going to bypass him for something you think you need. And I said, that, that's, the, that's the problem right there. You guys think you need certain things versus you grab the, the great players figure that shit out. <laughs> they, they, they figure it out. They don't, you know, they figured it. What shit, one of them would have been playing center. So you didn't, you didn't need, yeah, one of them would have figured this shit out. And, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of general managers and people in those type of situations miss, they miss the ball. One of the things I remember hearing at the time when Larry went to, to Cleveland was, well, you know, he and Gilbert, they kind of do some of the same things. They can both be a little one, a little two. And it's like, that's actually a strength. I, I mean, I, this is my personal opinion as, as somebody that watched these teams a lot, but I thought, Gil, that helped you a lot to be able to have somebody else who could distribute and handle the ball and let you play off ball a little more and, and give, you know, different looks to different teams. So to your point, it just seems like, more of a good thing is, is a good thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's no different than what um, C.J. McCullough and Dame Leonard is doing. No different than, you know, uh, Curry and, and Clay. You know, you got two guards that you guys just do. Just do. I don't need one person trying to make all these plays. It's like, I think Magic Johnson, what he did kind of distorted everyone's thought process on a on a point guard, you know, Magic was a three. He had guards. They scored. You know, they also distribute. They also play defense. So he made the plays from the three position. Same thing as LeBron. Same thing as um, Ben Simmons. Phil Jackson taught everyone, you don't need someone making plays with the – like, you need your scores. You need – like, my point guard does it because you got to remember – if the point guard is doing his job, that means he's making everyone better, which means they're not that damn good. You know, if I got to do all these moves myself to pass you the ball, you're sitting in the corner for you to hit an open shot, that means without me, you can never score. So you're not that damn good. So when we go against better players, you're not, you're not going to be. <laughs> it's easier to stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's that, that's that's true. That's true. And I mean, even just playing, being able to play, you know, multiple positions. I mean, that's 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 a strength. I mean, that's that's a skill. I mean, it, the ability to play more than one position, like you sh you should want that. And then when you have guys that complement each other, you know, you you want that even more. And and mm -hmm. talking about like Ernie's offense, like we, you know, after that first year, we quickly figured out how to end up with the basketball in our hands, see the man play the floor. Mm -hmm. Forwards out, we want to forwards out straight, or we want to screen, whatever it is, we figured it out that we can get the ball back, we can make a play, we can start the offense and then end up with the basketball by letting everybody move around in this system. So that system it really worked for us. And, mm -hmm. and speaking to the point of, of like that point guard who's not really gonna score, when I went to Cleveland and I played with Eric Snow, mm -hmm. that's the prime example of like it's four and a half. Like, it's four and a half yep. people here, right? It's four and a half. So you're going to make that play. You're going to get into that paint. But then there's the threat is off. So that makes everybody else's job that much tougher because now everybody's scurrying back to their man, even though this guy just got to the paint. But when you have a guy that can put the ball in the hole without breaking somebody down, it makes your job easier because now everybody got to help the ball. The, the, the mm -hmm. ball is the most important thing on the court. So now you're talking about, 
getting wide open shots, getting people that are closing out to you where you don't have to take stand and steal three pointers, right? Mm-hmm. You're always moving. So that's that you know that that's definitely facts right there. Yeah, like uh like like I was doing my like this is after like I think like 2015 I started doing a study on it and they said on the last what 30 if you take out Magic Johnson last 30 some championships the the starting point guard is averaging 4.6 4.1 assists a game you know cuz you know you're going to have the Derek Fishers you're going to have the I mean Curry's at I think he won one where he averaged 6 or 7 Jason Kidd and then you have Avery Johnson are the three pure point guard or there's only two pure point guards. When Rondo won, he wasn't really Rondo yet. Other than that, it's just off guards. You know, Charmers, you know, Kenny, Kenny, uh, Kenny Smith, two assists. He didn't, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like if you have that dead weight, like that, it has to be able to do something besides play defense. Because he's never gonna play enough defense to offset whoever he's sticking. You know, so players like, no, you know, no, you know, don't want to throw bad vibes on them, but like, you know, like a player like Robeson, it hurts, it hurts the unit because it's four players. Your defense is not going to make up for you not scoring any points, you know, unless you're going to stop your guy from scoring at all, which is impossible if you're guarding the two guards of the league, but you're scoring zero. So even if you shut them down to 15, he's still a plus 15 against you. So someone else got to, you know, make up that difference. You know, it's like now, it's like now teams are starting to realize you put threats on you. Everyone is valuable, you know, and, you know, with Steph winning, you know, a championship being a dominant guard, I think people start to realize a little bit more that you need everyone scoring. At least be a threat to knock down some shots from the corner or something. And, you know, you see guys like, um, even going back to the you know the last dance documentary, you have you didn't have Ron Harper on the court much down the stretch because he just there's just too too many you know one dimensional guys, and that's when you see Steve Kerr's not the player that Ron Harper was, but he could he could stretch the floor a little bit. Yeah, so makes a lot of sense. Um, just a kind of a hypothetical here: How do you guys match up with Wall and Beal? You you and Larry as a backcourt. You know, so for, that'd be that'd be a good we. That'd be a good matchup, but we win in that one. We're winning that one because they're limited because, you know, Wall is not going to be able to, you know, shoot from the out. He, he can't live on the outside. And because I know all his moves and which is I'm going to fake right, go hard left. You know, he's going to fake that, that screen and come back left because he's, he's, he's a left-hand dominant. We have the same speed, same strength. So – you know, my younger days, you know, you know, before the injury, I can minimize what he's going to do, you know, and Larry's going to make Bill, you know, work. Um, we're going to make him work, baby. We're going we're gonna to make him work. They got you know? <laughs> to put the ball on the floor and they got to shoot yeah. the basketball. So we got to make each player, obviously, we've been doing this, so we know how to make you yeah. play to your weakness. And we're making one guy put the ball on the floor. We're making the other guy shoot the ball from the outside. And yeah. we're going to live with the results. You know, that, that, that was the thing about us. We actually studied the opponent. We studied each other, you know. So, you know, like day one when Wall was coming in, you know, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a battle. I got a battle against the new guy coming in. You know, he's, he's here for my position. So, you know, let me just make it difficult for him, even though 
the, the car keys is his. I'm on the way out. You know, the car keys is his. So let me just go ahead and see if I can carve out some time here. And then, you know, watching video, watching highlights, realize, okay, this is what he does. You know, this is, this is what he, you know, he, he's more of a speed demon. But when he's in a half court, he has his certain moves that he wants to do. And I picked up on them easy. You know, so in practice, I, I think that's what helped him too. Because in practice, I took away his strength. He could not, he could not go right-left against me. It's just go, go right. Mm-hmm. Let me see you jump off your left leg. I want to see if you can bounce off. And, and, and he jumped off two feet when he went that way. So it let me know that he was a right-legged jumper versus the natural left-handed jumper. And that's why he's still doing the same move because, in theory, if you're right-handed, push him left. That's his, that's his strong. So right. you want to stop wall, you got to push him right. I think, um, you know, people years removed, they, they remember, like, the practical jokes and things like that. But one thing I've kind of always heard from your teammates is, like, how hard you worked, number one, and two, like, you know, you were in the film room, you were breaking things down, you were, you were, you know, trying to work through this guy does this and, and study the game. And, um, you know, I feel like you just don't hear that talked about the same way, you know, 10, 10 years later. You know, the, the, the reason is the media only sees us during usually game time mm-hmm. practice. So you don't, you don't really see our everyday life. You don't see what we do. You're not going to see me go to the gym three, four times. You're not going to see me there five in the morning. All you're going to see is the, basically the results. And you're going to shove that, that microphone when, on a win or on a loss. So you're going to only know what you get around a locker room. So you're not going to know the guys. You're not going to know his actual life unless it's being talked about from me, the coaching staff, other than that, you, you know, so you can, you can be filming KD for five years and not know nothing about him because you're only asking him questions that has to do with basketball, you know, or in that moment. So, you know, me going to the gym late night, working, trying to perfect my game, watching game tape, you know, the media is never going to know about that, you know, so it's, it's, you know, media is different now than it was back then. They were nicer back then versus the media you have today. Because, you know, today is, is Click clickbait. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they, they, they want the stories. They, want, they, they don't want to hear you shot 3,000 shots last night. No, 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 I don't want that. Like, <laughs> you know, who has beef in the locker room? You know, it's, oh, okay. You know, so you, you, you have more of that going on. So, like, even in today's world where the world is full of social media, everyone is a reporter technically. And you don't know nothing about no one. Who's KD's girlfriend? Who, what does Kawhi Leonard do? What, what does Embiid do in his off time? You don't know nothing about no one. Because they don't, you know, we don't leave the house like that. Either we're in a gym or in the house of the family. You know, you have that rare moment where you, you know, you see them somewhere. But other than that, you know, we have two lives. Home, our job. Yeah, he probably was, was by far... You know, with him and Bron, I mean, hard, hardest working guys that, that I've been teammates with as far as putting in the, the time off hours. You know what I'm saying? Just putting in the time, um, you know, before practice, you know, after practice, uh, coming back late night. Uh, GA didn't go to the clubs. Like, he didn't hang out. So, you know, when we were, you know, going out and, and talking about where we were meeting up, we knew where GA was. GA was in the gym. 
and nobody had a problem with that. Nobody had a problem with with him coming out, shooting the thing from half court or, you know, whatever it was, because we knew that that's what he was working on. Like, that's what he was doing. Like, when, he, when, you're not, when you don't see him, like, you know exactly what he's doing. So you're going to take uh, whatever results come with that. And that's what, you know, that's what I value most with, with, with our friendship is that we aren't the same person. Um, we are different people, but we got the same sort of mindset and the same sort of thought process and goals. It's like when I call him the mass, like I've told a hundred thousand people, yeah, that's the, he's a mass scientist. And like, <laughs> I, I really mean that because there's a, he's trying to get to something at the end and he's going to put all the pieces together until he has that product, you know, or he has that complete thought at the end. And it was just like that from a, from a basketball standpoint. I'm not, I don't care that, you know, somebody's going, you know, go five for 20. That may be the story, but man took 2,500 shots, you know, six hours before this. And it mm. just so happened that those five out of 20, the shots didn't go in. But the real story is somebody take time out of their normal life, you know, of off hour, all being off the clock to go shoot and try to get those results to transfer into the game. And that's why you know, that is one of my one of my best uh, best teammates for sure. Um, just just going, you know, I mean, going off of that, you, you don't score that many points in the NBA if you're not putting in the work. You know, nobody's that naturally talented. And uh, just want to talk a little bit about. I think maybe you know every Wizards fan that's in my general age group, their favorite like one week stretch was the sixty points against LA and the fifty four against Phoenix. You know, in a five game span. Was that just you, like, super in the zone? Like, I mean, what, how did that go down? What's the thought process there? So, so the year before is when, you know, we lost to Larry in the playoffs. So, you know, missing those famous free throws. And, you know, I, I, watched, I watched my facial expression. And I, I seemed scared. Like, oh, yeah, he's missing those. Like, if I'm a... If, if, you know, I'm, if I'm a spectator watching, I look at the, oh, he's missing those. You can see it on his face. It, they didn't look like there's no confidence there, which was the opposite. You know, like I had to hit the shot to get it over time. And, you know, so watching myself like, wait, who is that? What is that? I had to start now researching how to get more confidence. You know, so I started calling people in L.A. What, what does Kobe do? Like, what, what, what does he do? To, to, to work on his mental part of it. Because it's not physical. I'm taking a physical shot. I'm doing this. So then I found a guy in, um, his name is Frank in San Fran. He's a black ops guy. Um, and that's all his training was about. Just mentally learning how to slow down something that's going fast. You know, slow it down, process it, and just keep going. You know, so the, the stuff we did was brutal, but there was no quitting. You know, there was quitting. You you going, you can whine right now, but you have to get it done. You're going to have to get it done, so you might as well just lock in and just get it done. You know, so going into that season, I thought I had a better understanding of mental preparation. So, you know, that's when I told Phoenix, hey, I'm scoring 50-something on you, you know, and, and doing all of that. So... You know, when I got to those games, it was just basically execute. Mentally, I was there. Now, it was just execute at that point. You know, so when after I, you know, did that on Kobe and when I got to Phoenix, I remember I'm in the layup line and uh, Dan Tony says, 
Dan Tony says, you're going to have to score more than 50 to beat us. Because they was on a 16-game winning streak. He said, you're going to have to score more than uh, 50 to beat us. He said, and I said, I'm planning to. <laughs> the score, the score 54. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just, it was, it was, it was the confidence, you know, you know, when you're at that level, it's, it's confidence. You know, it ain't, it, you're, 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 if you're at the next level, you're talented. It's the confidence that, 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 that when you're, you know, missing shots to stay focused, you know, when, you know, you got ripped to not be afraid to, you know, keep going. You know, there, I remember there, was some, there used to be some times where I'll get ripped and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I ain't dribbling no more. Boom. You know, but that's, that's, that's the, that was the confidence that just got stolen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the hand, the, the confidence just got stolen. And now I got to try to figure out how to get it back. You know, so I think that that summer spending with, you know, the guy Frank kind of helped me that year. And, and, you know, I know you've transitioned, uh, you're working with, with the younger kids and younger athletes. And I know that that's, that's a huge part of, of the preparation. I mean, you have the physical piece, but it also, I mean, the mental piece is, is you know, it, it's times 10. I mean, if you, if you can get mm-hmm. that focus. Is that some of the things you're telling to the young players as far as to, you know, how to reach their goals or how to make it to the next level? Is the mental piece, you know, one of those points of emphasis? Yeah, you know, I, I, I you know, it's hard because, you know, at that age, they think they know it all. You know, they think they know it all. And it's like showing them that, listen, hold on. Why did you do that move? And then let me hear your answer back. Why are you training like this versus like this? And then when you do miss shots, you, you went two minutes without taking another shot. I said, you have to have short-term memory loss when it comes to basketball. You can't dwell on missed shots, you know, ref didn't call that. I mean, those are just, those are just obstacles. You know, this is not a swimming pool. It's just free so you can go back and forth. You know what I mean? This is like a jungle. You know, there's a, you can't just run straight because there's a tree right here. You got to keep moving in and out, you know, like, a, like an obstacle. There's defenders, there's referees, there's fans, you know, so you have to understand how to process it all and not get distracted. You know, and, and, and understand what the goal is, no matter what. You know, so just having them, you know, like like talk it through. When you get to the free throw line, talk yourself into it. This is cash money, easy. There ain't no rebound. Nobody need to rebound. Cash money, take it out. You know, you have to, you know, you got to talk it. You know, get your confidence in. So so when you're talking to the young people, and I know you have a podcast, and I'm definitely going to jump on, you know, jump on the podcast. But you're going you're gonna to need to bring in you know, your former teammates, guys that you've played against mm-hmm. to really set that tone to really, you know, make that statement true because that was you. When you were at the free throw line or you took a three or turnaround three or whatever it was, it was no doubt that it was a bucket, whether it went mm-hmm. in or not. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you were, you know, just practicing what you preach and I'll be the guy that will step in and definitely validate that statement because that is true. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how you play the game and to be successful, that's how those young people are going to have to play the game is to live with those results and then move on to the next play. Yeah, I tell them, I said, when you have doubt, that means you didn't put in the work. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't take two, 3,000 shots and you only took 50, yeah, you doubting yourself when you go in that game. Somebody who took 3,000 shots 
there ain't no lack of confidence. He done seen himself do this over and over. You know what I mean? I got my, I got my nine-year-old shooting 250 shots every morning. And I was like, you're supposed to be the best player. But I said, you comparing yourself to your teammates versus everyone around the world. And I said, so, you know, if you don't step it up thinking that, oh, because you're the best player, you know, at nine years old, no, you're not the best player. You ain't played against every nine-year-old. So you don't know. I said, shit, there's probably eight-year-olds better than you right now. You don't know. So you have to, you have to, you have to compete. You compete with me. If you see, I, like, we jotted down. If I took 200 shots, you better go in there and take 300. If you see I took 500, you better go in there and take 700. You compete with me. You're not competing with an eight, nine-year-old. So I had my son, the neighbors get mad. He was out 3.30 in the morning shooting on the, on the shooting machine outside. You, you got, I tell him, you, you got to put up the shots. And the fact that they can't actually outshoot me and, or nor get close, you know, kind of makes them like, 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 I didn't shoot in a week. And I went out here, went 18 for 20. What's up? What, what's your excuse? I said, what, what's your excuse? If, if you ain't shooting water like this, your ass need to stay on this gun all day. You don't need to play Fortnite unless, you, unless you're trying to be a Fortnite expert. Yeah. I said, if you want to be a Fortnite expert, you're doing a great-ass job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so for real. You got to put in, put in the hours to have the confidence and not be tentative. And um, Somebody out there is always working harder. You recently had um, Onyeka Akangwu on, on your podcast, and that's a name that, that DC fans have, have kind of latched onto as a potential guy the Wizards would hope to be able to grab in the lottery. Um, what what'd you think after talking to him and maybe about his fit uh, somewhere like DC? You know, he has a um, good skill set that, you know, that'll play well with, you know, Bill and Wall. You know, he doesn't demand a ball. Um, you know, he played with the, the, the ball brother, so he knows, you know, he knows how to play his role and play his position and get in where he fits in so you don't have to worry about the ego, you know, of trying to be, you know, a star, you know, clashing against those two guys and the rest of the team. Good kid. You know, he just can't wait to get in there and just, you know, get his NBA career started. You know, just, you know, those are the guys that, that you try to look for. You, you, like, you know, if I'm a general manager, I look at this. I know in that lottery pick, there's two and a half players that's going to be an all-star. And then the rest of the draft, there's going to be three to four. So in that, that first 13, I really need to see who has it. Because if there's only two and a half, that means technically <laughs> there's 12 busts, 11 and a half busts, the, the 11 and a half busts that's going to be in that, in that, uh, that lottery. So I need to do my research. You know, and I don't think enough, I don't think that, I don't think any teams do any real research on their players. And when I mean research, I mean, if I got the number one pick and I need a guard, I'm pulling all three guards in at the same time. There's not going to be that you come by yourself and you, no, 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 no. I have the number one pick. You do what I say. I need all three of y'all come on in. Work out. I'm going to work you out for three days straight because I want to see who has the it, who has the, the heart, who has the one-on-one skill level. Like, I want to see who folds under pressure. Like, I mean, Larry, come on. We've both been there. 
you've seen some some nice ass practice players. Like I mean, they they practice all star players, and in the game they just couldn't they couldn't do it in the game. But I want to see when you have that competition going at you, who thrives versus who who falls apart. And I, I, I the, how the NBA combine is and all that, it doesn't pull it out. And I say, you know, like I, I, I want to be, I, I want to be Spurs. I want to be able to hit the target every single time. So, so is that? I mean, is that some of the reason that that is is really still, you know, based on potential? Because if if we, you know, if we really want to get down to the nitty gritty of it, there's there's you know there's potential you can bring these guys in for you know three days, or mm-hmm. are you really just looking at them the one time and saying, okay, we're going to project out as opposed to bringing them in two more times, so you're able to kind of maneuver around that potential, right? We we saw him, we like what we see, we want to see more. I mean, I think that that could play you know play some part in the you know continue to use that word potential, which a lot but of see- times. You know, like, okay, so like prime example of potential. You have Jason Tatum and you have someone like um, Donovan Mitchell. I have an 18-year-old versus a 21-year-old. Now I put them both in a fire, right? Knowing that the 20-year-old, that the 21-year-old should outplay this 18-year-old. Now, if it's this close, 18-year-old all day. If it's this close, Eighteen all day because I know what you look like at twenty one. He's eighteen right now and he's coming into the NBA at eight, eight, eighteen. You was on the bench, coming off the bench in college. So as an eighteen year old, he's better. As a nineteen year old, he will be better. As a twenty year old, he will be better because you're coming in today at twenty one. So you're gonna go with the younger one anyway in that scenario. Now when you have someone like Ja. What's the, the 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 guard from Duke? Trey Jones. No, no, no. He he came in with uh, John Morant. That's Zion or no, R.J. Barrett. R.J. Yeah. So you have R.J. Barrett. Now me, I can see R.J. Barrett's flaw. If you didn't put him at the point guard, that what you seen last year, what was going to happen? He's too slow to start off at the two, then try to try to create his offense. He needs to be already moving. So if your plan was to put him at the two, you don't make that pick. Unless you were going to put the ball in his hand to, to, to keep him moving, that was, that was going to be a bad pick anyway. You know, it's, you, you just can't throw everyone in positions because you think they're good, just like Tyreek Evans. When I, when I played against him, I was like, oh, my God, this is the new evolution of a point guard. These big six, seven, six, eight hybrid type guards couldn't shoot, but against the guard position, oh, he's above. He's his skill level is way above everyone. What they do, put him to the two. Career went down. You know that wasn't his position. His position was a point guard. You know that's that's where he maximized his. So you know when they're looking at this draft process. You need to know what you're looking for and what you're looking at. But if you don't know basketball like that, you're going you're gonna to do what you're going to do every, every single time. And that's why you see some teams that's always bad because they, they don't have the basketball mindset and the people who are making the decision just don't know what they're doing. They're going names. 
Oh, this guy did this in college. Who'd he play against? How many top players did he play against in college? You know, how many lottery picks did he play? Because you got to remember, once they get to the NBA, everyone is NBA players. In college, you got Um, 13 lotteries. That's it. You know what I mean? So who who did you play against? You know, if you played against players who's never going to make the NBA, I really need to put evaluation on it. You know, and and it's just basketball. (laughs) A good example that I went to – I dragged my wife to a game earlier this year. It was uh, Auburn was playing Davidson. And there were like the whole row in front of us were a ton of NBA scouts. And like 10 minutes into the game, nobody was paying attention to the game anymore. And and I think part of that was uh, they were looking at the kid Isaac Okora from Auburn, but the guy guarding him was like four inches shorter than him, couldn't jump with him. Like Mm-hmm. You know, Davidson had a good, solid team, but I just it, I got the sense that they were just kind of bored because they didn't feel like they could learn a lot from that particular matchup. Mm-hmm. And and I think that goes to your point about well, I mean, but they but that's a problem. You but you still need to focus on that because you need to see when he doesn't have a matchup that he thinks fits him. What does he do? Does he step up to the to the plate? Does he try to dominate through it? Like I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm going Westbrook it. I'm going to Kobe Bryant mindset it. Or am I going to play down because he's not irrelevant? Because you got to remember, at the end of the day, college, NBA, you're going to have bad players that you – so when Pat, when you're playing against a Patrick Beverly, are you going to just let Patrick Beverly run over you because he ain't a superstar? You know, you. that's why I said you got to know who – these guys are and what they have in, in, inside that, you know, that body of theirs, you know, and what the mindset is going forward, because, you know, you don't, you don't want to waste four years and realize, yeah, you know what? He just don't, it's just not clicking. Yeah. You know, I call them jack off players. You know, you don't want a jack off player. They're going to jack you off, but you're never going to finish. You don't, you don't want <laughs> that guy. You know what I mean? You, you're going to get blue balls with him. You know, you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get fired. <laughs> You go get your ass fired. Any thoughts uh, on trying to be a GM one day? Oof. Uh, or to consult or any of those kinds of things for a team? Like coaching, like I want to be, like I'd rather be hands-on, you know, like hands-on, putting plays in. Like I'd rather be coach, uh, development coach, on like on the coaching staff. Like I want to be there because I can give, you know, my expertise on what to look for, you know, being a general manager, you know, you know, it's it's like, you know, having a cook, he shops and then they make the meal. Like, what if you didn't like it that way? I mean, so you can, you can grab LeBron James and Kevin Durant, but if this, if this coach is walking the ball up the court and putting them in half court, you know, you kind of messing up the dinner, you know, it, it, it all has to fit, you know, listen, you can give me, you can give me whatever you want, I can make it work. You know, I can make it, I can make, you know, if you're going to give me this, I can make the dinner work. But, you know, vice versa, I don't like that one. I don't, I don't like the general manager, you know, <laughs> you know, you pick it, you got to, you got to, it has to be both ways. You know, it has to, it has to be able to work. You know, just kind of talk to our listeners about the, the podcast that you're doing, uh, kind of what the focus is and, and, you know, what you're looking to, you know, what you're looking to come out of that. You know, I got the, I, you know what's so funny? They changed the name on me. It was the uh, it was the No Chill Podcast. Now I think it is the 
<laughs> no chill podcast with Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> you know, at first, you know, you know, doing hoopers and, you know, the NBA players and, you know, hearing their stories. And I realized that you're already NBA. You know, you're, you're already in the NBA. You know, telling your NBA story is cool. So I decided, you know what, I want to go to the youth, take their mindsets now and try to enheighten them, trying to change them if it's moving in the wrong direction, you know, trying to give them a little game that helps you. Like, you know, it's like every boxer that wants to be a boxer getting the knowledge from Mayweather now versus, you know, hearing his story about, you know, him as a fighter, like, no, what did you do first? What did you do in, at my age? What did you do at 12, 13, 14, 15 to get you to this point? Like, I know what you look like now, you know, but how did, what was the road? I want to be able to follow that road and add my little attributes to it, you know? And I think that's why I, I said, you know what? Let me just go to, the, go to the, the kid route, you know, interview the kids, talk to them, give them game, you know, and just watch their development, you know, because, you know, you know, watching, you know, Cole, you know, with the girls and really like, yo, why are you? He's like, man, girls are tough. You know, girls are tough. They're willing to learn. They're willing to listen, you know, and they have to be more fundamentally sound than boys because they're not going to be able to jump over the rim and do all this, you know, so they have to really, really listen to what I'm saying on the fundamental side so I can teach better than versus, you know, boys. Because, you know, once a boy gets 14, 15, and his dunking power comes, he zones out. He don't want to do the, he don't want to go through the, the, the fundamental steps. Now, now nah, he wants to try to do the windmill all day. He wants to try to dunk on their heads. You know, he don't want to. Not wanna, working on footwork. Yeah, and- yeah he don't want to work on the footwork. You know, so it's now just, you know, trying to take that, that route and get them early before all their attributes kick in and then, you know, try to teach them the, teach them the game. Well, like you know, we you know we're doing the academy uh, style here in St. Louis, man. So anytime that that we can connect and, and jump on and do anything, you know, I'm willing to do that. Um, especially in the thought process of building up better players, and not just better players, but on and off the court, uh, because a lot of the stories and the, the things that we can share with them uh, can give them an option. Mm-hmm. Give them an option. A lot of us are here uh, because of skill and opportunity, but also because of luck. So just mm-hmm. making sure that any time that I can jump on and, and, and help your message, push your message through, man, I'm, I'm here to do that. Is your, uh, is your camp that, that has school too? Well, it's, it's curriculum driven. So it's, um, it's, it's basically set up as, as, a, as a class, but there's no necessarily a, a written curriculum um, no, no, attached what, to it. No, what I mean is it's still a school, right? So like, yeah, I know yeah, we... So it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so it's, 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 an, yeah, it's, it's an academy style, um, you know, working with, you know, the, all the way down to the, the kindergarten kids. Um, and it's, uh, we're using tech, you know what, we are using technology to explain the why that they're doing something. So mm-hmm. we're talking that technology and you've seen it, but when a, a player comes in and they are, you know, 70% on the left side and 30% on the right side, we now start to build those plans to execute more mm-hmm. on the right side, side to you know, yeah. level that out. So we do use technology to tell that story because you're right. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, you know, you got to you gotta tell them why they're doing this or why they're doing that, and you got to convince them that this is the right <laughs> way to do it. So yeah, yeah. You know, technology for that. Yeah, I remember. Um, and it was so funny as it goes on all of us. I was, it was Houston versus Utah. 
was it two years ago or last was that that series last year or two years ago? I think they played each of the last two years, actually. When I think it was last year when uh Rubio was playing James Harden that weird way. Uh, guarded behind him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I hit I hit Donovan Mitchell in the um the DM and said, I've watched your series. If you want to take that next jump, you have to be better going right-handed. I said, you're a two-foot jumper, which means when you go right, you don't want to jump off your two because you can't dunk off your two. You need to go left. So when you go right, you're going half-ass because somehow you're trying to get back to that left side so you can pogo jump. So pushing you right, you don't want to go right anyway because you don't want to go that way. So all your step backs is lazy. You know, all your drives is half-assed because you want to try to euro and spin and get back to that. So I said, you need to consciously develop your right side because when you're playing, you probably don't notice you're doing it. You know, and I said, you didn't have... I said, when you had bad games, is because they pushed you to your right more than versus you going left. When you're going left, you got all your tools. When you're going right, you have no tools. So I says, you know, spend the summer working on your right. All right. We're working on trying to figure out how to create shots going right. And I said, from there, that open, that unlocks a whole different game. That, that unlocks, I said, right now you're playing with 50%. I said, you get to access the, a whole nother 50. And I said, that's the difference. That's how you take those leaps in, 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 in the game. And, you know, understanding what your flaw is and actually attacking it. So are coaches just not telling these guys stuff like that? Or, I mean, what, are their play development guys? Like, how, how does that, you know, how does that work? I think, it's, I think it's just like you said. I mean, I, I think like anybody, you know, you, you'll practice things and you'll go through things and you'll work on things. And then when in the heat of the battle, you're always going to go revert to those things that you're most comfortable. And mm -hmm. if going left and going hard left, you know that you, you've accomplished anything that you wanted going hard left. And in the heat of the battle, you're going to try to go hard left, no matter mm -hmm. what's going on on that right side. So I think it is just, you know, like GA saying, just spending hours and just dedicating to specific things and making those things uncomfortable. And then once you get in the heat of the battle, your hope is that you keep your whole toolbox and not go to the thing mm -hmm. that you've known that's worked, you know, over and over and over again. Because at some point in time, you got to use the entire toolbox. Yeah, but let's, 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 let's be honest. Sports don't treat, you know, their franchises like Google does. You know, like Google, what they'll do is they'll offer out a million dollars to anyone that can hack their system. Now, they're not like, the only reason they're doing that is they want to see what talent is out there that they miss. They want to see who, who's worked on code that I don't know about and I want to recruit them. So, they're going to have the best of the best, and they're going to keep recruiting the best of the best. Well, on the NBA bench, you don't necessarily have the best. You don't know if these guys, these assistant coaches, if they really study film, who are they as players? Like, let's be honest. If you average four points a game and you play two years, I'm not listening to you. You know, if I want, if I want to average four and play only two years – I'm, hey, listen, what's up? What'd you say? Okay. Other than that, like, no, I, you, you don't have my attention span. Like, I don't, 
you know, you, you're going to have to show me what, like, what you're telling me doesn't make sense to me. You, what knowledge do you have of this game? What battles have you went through? You know, and, and that might be a flaw on me, but I look at the benches and say, most of these guys don't qualify because they've never been in that situation. How, if Bill comes to you and say, hey, what do I need to do in this situation? None of them, none of them can give him a real answer. Kobe's pushing up on me. What should I do? He, they can't give you that answer because they've never been in that situation. Like I asked the coach, I said, hey, when you're down, why do you take, why do you take players out in the last two minutes of a, a period? You know, to get them some rest. But why? To get them some rest. Because I said, mathematically, and the way the game's going, that is probably the dumbest time to take them out. You have let's say a Westbrook and a James Harden who gets beat up for 10 minutes without no free points. And when you're in a penalty last two, three minutes, you take your best asset out of the game, sit them on a bench, your most aggressive asset out, put them on a bench. And now you got guys cold coming in. They're not going to be aggressive. Well, that's the, those three minutes is the time you want to play James Harden one-four flat or one-on-one and make because every touch foul he gets, he's at the free throw line. So you're taking away free points by taking this man out of the game at the wrong time. I said, take him out at the end of the quarter. At the end of the corner, put in a new fresh body. Let that guy get in. Like, but the last two, three minutes, that's golden. That's free money time. That means the guard can't play aggressive on him. Big man, either they got to try to block the shot or give them a free layup like you. There's, there, that's an advantage that no coach takes care takes advantage of because they learned from some other coach who didn't know what he was doing. Right. You know, so it's just like little things like that. I just be like, ah, man, you don't really know the game like that. <laughs> and, and I, I agree, man. I agree. I think that you have to because – there's small things, there's little things when you talk about somebody pushing up or you talk about how can I get this part of my job done that I may give you a different answer because I've been in certain situations where I know in order to get open, I got to step on this guy's foot. I got to mm-hmm. step on his foot to hold his foot down so now I can break to get open. If you haven't been in those sort of battles and you know, know those sort of tricks of the trade, you know, you, it, it could be, yeah, you, you, you may not be validated. Yeah, and, and it's like, you know, when you see players like the Scotty Pippers and all these great guys that did what they did, not on those benches teaching the next generation, it's kind of like, what yeah. you know, you, like you spend so much money. You, you, you spend $34 million, $44 million, $10 million to the world. Like, that's, like, you should be, like, all resources of greatness should be instilled in these guys. Like, you... You know, and I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I remember when I had the the, the talk with Abe Poland about getting us a, a players lounge, <laughs> and a players lounge and uh, a chef. You didn't, we didn't have it when you came, right? Right? Yeah. And you know, we didn't have the chef. And I said, hey, um, can we get a you know a better players lounge and a chef? And you know, why? And I said, um, you know the guarantee that your, your players are eating, you know, before they come to practice, make sure they're fueled up, you know, so they can practice. And I think with a player's lounge and food, they'll stay after a little bit longer, you know, and I said, 
And I said at 18, 19, 20, 21, what did you eat? What did you eat at that age? I said, we only eat what we know. You know, if we only know McDonald's coming from college, that's, that's our, we don't know nothing about, you know, full five-course meals. We don't know nothing about that. We know McDonald's, Chick-fil-A. We, you know, after, after practice, go to the fast food. Drive. No matter how much money we make, we don't, we're not, we're, we don't have wives. You know, she, she's 40 years old that's telling me and cooking. Our girlfriend is the same age as us. Who went through college? So she don't know how to cook. So I said, and he had to think about what I was saying. And then he says, you'll have breakfast and lunch. And I said, that's guaranteed two meals for our guys. So, you know, at least, you know, two meals of great food is being instilled in these guys. And that's, you know, and I had to, I had to, I had to tell him that because he wouldn't have known, you know, and, and, and that's what I, it's, it's just every year has to be updated, you know? You know, you got you to gotta update. You got to update, you know, your surrounding. When I went to Washington, I mean, uh, Orlando, they was on a whole another level of stuff. You know, they were taking blood tests to see what you can eat and don't eat. Like, they were doing all that. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, you know, you have to take blood work, your food allergies, to know what you can put in your system. You know, they had breakfast, lunch, dinner. On game day, you had four meals on game day. You know, I was like, man, this like that. I wish they had that the rookie year. My rookie year, like, what? Oh, meal. Like, I didn't have to spend no money. <laughs> and think of all the dumb stuff teams spend money on. You know, that's a, a little cost that goes a long way for these guys. Yep, just a little cost. Making sure you got the right staff, you know, right teaching, you know, and, you know, and, you know, just make sure your players are built for success. You know, you got to remember this. You know, you practice an hour, hour and a half. And then you, you know, you have 23 hours to yourself. You know what I mean? 23 hours to just not basically not get in trouble. <laughs> That's what it is. It's 23 hours not to get in trouble. Yeah. You so know? once once we have basketball back, man, we got to get you on again. You yeah, know, for just sure. to, to talk a little bit, you know, talk a little bit of basketball. Because the reason why I jumped on to to do the podcast was to give a different insight. You know, mm-hmm. to you know, to give, uh, you know, my version, my view on how I watch games, kind of how I evaluate games, kind of how I see things, you know, through my vantage point. So I definitely want to get you on, you know, once the games start back up, whether it's, you know, this year, whether we roll it back again, Matt, uh, for next season. Uh, but definitely want to get GA back on. Sounds great to me. Anytime. Well, hey, thank you so much for doing this. We've, we've kept you way longer than we meant to. Um, but no but problem, this, no this was awesome. I think everybody listening is going to get so much out of this. So thanks again. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you, my brother, my friend. I appreciate you, man. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.